Levon Sands, right? We got a bronze. And then the 400 meter men's team. Now we got a silver, right? We're proud now, right? I guess you've been watching the Olympics. Has anyone not been watching the Olympics? There's so many stories uh, from this year's Olympics that have really captured our attention. Uh, the most obvious, well, different people like different stories. Some people like the Michael Phelps uh, story. Eight gold medals. Eight gold medals. The boy has 14 gold medals in his life. He has seven world records. Unbelievable. It just blows your mind that one person can dominate so clearly. Uh, who likes to watch gymnastics? Yeah, all the women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some of the men. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, everyone's saying the judges are cheating, right? Cheating for China. And are those girls even old enough? <laughs> right? Who knows? Yeah. I'm not a politician, so I could say they're cheating. I don't care. Uh, and then recently, we've, we've seen a young man by the name of Usain Bolt, right? Not insane Bolt, although it is insane what he's doing. Um, he's the first man to set world records in the 100 meter and 200 meter in the same Olympics, and he set another world record with the four by one team. He's just amazing. His name is Bolt, <laughs> right? His name is Bolt. If, if that doesn't convince you that the end is near, I don't know what will. Coincidence, I think not. And we look at him and we marvel at what he is able to do. But we imagine if, if he'd been training all these years and he got to the Olympics and he got in that final race and he got in the starter's blocks and when the gun went off, he stood up and he looked around and he said, you know what? I think I'll just stay right here. These guys look pretty fast. I don't know if I want to race against them. I made it to the Olympics, isn't that good enough? Right? What would we say to him? We'd say no! Right? We'd say no, you don't start and stop, you gotta keep going. You have so much potential, don't stay in the starter's blocks. You're gonna do great things if you just run. Don't waste your potential. This was what we would say to him, right? We love what he has done. And we'd say all these things to him, and yet that is where many of us end up in our walk with God. We stay stuck in the starter's blocks. We get saved, or, or we have a great camp experience, or we have a great mission trip experience. But, but then we allow everything to just become a routine. Or... Church just becomes a way of pleasing other people, whether it's, it's our parents or it's our spouse or our friends. And when we let it become that routine and we get stuck in that rut, we miss out 
on the blessings that God has for us if we would just step out and run with him. But it is so easy to fall into that rut. The author of today's passage that I want to deal with is dealing with people exactly like this. In Hebrews 5.11, he says that they have become dull of hearing. Like they had become lazy and were no longer applying what they had been taught. Or, or maybe they just felt like they had heard it a lot and they had heard it over and over and they were just tired of hearing it. It had become boring. They didn't really want to hear it anymore. I had a dream this week, okay? And we were doing a youth service in the evening and it was, it was just a total disaster. A total disaster of a service. I had zero control over what was happening in this service. The service started and these people from the Logos boat, uh, they came up and they just did a presentation. I had no knowledge of this. They came up, they did a presentation, they projected on that wall right there for some reason. Um, it's a dream, so you know, it doesn't make sense all the time. And then Pastor Lee gets up and he makes a presentation um, and then one of the teens, I believe it was Erica, um, she decides to play some Dora the Explorer video. Uh, and, and I just let it happen. I had no idea what was going on. And then, and then like, I did a puppet show uh, with no puppets. Um, so I was just like doing this. And it, it, I had no idea what was going on. It was just one of those services that just went on and on and on with no purpose. Until I finally got up to preach and I looked at my watch. And what time does the evening service start? 6.30. My watch said it was 9.20. All right. So we had been in this service for three hours with no preaching. And I'm just getting up to preach. And when people realize that I'm getting up to preach, everybody leaves. not that funny. <laughs> Everybody just leaves. They're like, we're not staying. I was like, no, 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 wait. I'll just, I'll just make it really, really short. And, but everybody still left, so, so I just prayed and ended the service. And we had a three-hour service with no preaching. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but in reality, I believe that there are people who would rather not have preaching in the service. And you know these people, and I hope you're not one of them. Uh, they're almost annoyed when the Word of God is open and explained. Uh, they automatically assume that anything to do with reading or speaking, if it's not, you know, big TV production, is boring. Or maybe they're just concerned that we get out 1230, right? Hey, I came to church. What more do you want from me? Let's get out on time. Come on. What we want is for those people to grow, right? We want these people to grow. And the only way that happens is through God speaking to you through his word and you applying that. So this morning, let's open the word and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6 as we go through this as we go through this text this morning, uh, I will warn you that it, we might be a little long, and 
uh, I probably will make you uncomfortable at some point. Um, but we'll kiss and make up at the end, all right? And because that's what the text does. So starting at verse 1, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching of, uh, about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let's stop right there. He says, all right, great. You're in the starter's block, but now you need to leave that behind. He says, leaving the elementary teaching of Christ behind. That doesn't mean we forget about these things, the basics of Christianity. It doesn't mean we leave them behind and forget them. It means these are where we start from. We have to start somewhere. And then we press on after that. We press on to maturity. Uh, this phrase, press on to maturity. Now, I'm no Greek expert, uh, but all the commentators that I read, they say that, that this phrase in the original Greek is in the passive voice. Okay? It's in passive voice as opposed to active voice. If it were an active voice, we would be the ones making ourselves more mature. But because it is passive voice, we are the ones being taken to maturity. And who is doing the carrying? Who is the one taking us to maturity? We see in verse 3, it says, we, this we will do if God permits. It is God who carries us to maturity. We work with him. We respond to him when he gives us opportunities to grow. We've all seen the, uh, the visa commercials during the Olympics of, of Derek Redmond from 1992 when he was running his race in Barcelona and he was about halfway through and then he pulled a hamstring and he couldn't finish the race and his father came out of the stands and carried him along to finish the race. And I think that's a great example of our Heavenly Father who can carry us to maturity. We cannot, listen to this, you cannot force or make yourself to be mature. Our Father will carry us there. We need to be carried to teleos. Right, Pastor Lee? There you go. That's a free plug. Now, what are these elementary teachings? The author assumes that they already know these elementary teachings, the things that kindergarten Christians should know. Well, I won't assume that you already know them. Uh, we'll hit the big idea of each one of these, and then we'll move on quickly. Repentance. Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. What is repentance? Repentance simply is turning away from sin and turning toward God. It's lining up our thinking with God's thinking about sin. This is how I think about this, and God thinks this way, so I'm going to line up my thinking with God's thinking. I say, I used to do it this way, but now I see that it's sinful to God, so I'm going to turn away from it. 
and trust the Spirit to empower me not to do it anymore. And you know, we live in a country where people will call themselves Christians, but never repent. I, I used to play on a baseball team, and we had guys uh, that would talk about how they went to church, but they would also talk about the girls that they were sleeping with the night before. No repentance, yet they thought they were Christians. And it doesn't work like that. We have all kinds of celebrities who will thank God when they win awards and wear a cross around their neck, but do not repent. So their everyday life looks untouched by God. Can you be saved without repenting? Not according to this. We all must repent. So we repent from dead works and, and we turn our faith toward God. This is the other side of the coin of repentance. We turn away from our sin and we turn toward God. And I like the New American Standard translation of this because it says faith toward God, not, not some vague word like faith in God or faith about God. I like the word toward. Those, those other terms, they feel like distant and impersonal to me. Like we can have faith in God, but God's still not a part of our life. I like toward God. The author says our faith must be toward God. We must look at him with eyes of faith and embrace his character and his love and his sacrifice for us in Jesus Christ and put everything we have in his direction. So think about your own faith. You have this vague, general faith that isn't really useful or, or do you see God as real? And as someone you can have a real relationship with through Christ. He's moving on. Instruction about washings and laying on of hands. These are instructions about baptism. Instructions about gifts. We, earlier this year, we had, we had nine teenagers get baptized. They were not... They were just... Doing the basics, all right? Fulfilling the basics. Baptism is basic, all right? Baptism does not save you, but it is a part of the basics of Christianity. Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Young people, look at the future of your life. Picture yourself accomplishing everything you want to accomplish. Dream big, and you accomplish everything you want to accomplish. You get into the exact college you want. You marry the perfect person for you. You have all the kids you want. You make a ton of money. You become the company president, president with you know, your fleet of cars over in Germany, right? You become prime minister if, if politics is one of your goals, it's one of your interests. Your life turns out exactly the way you want it to. But then you die. And you will die. The truth is that one day you will be resurrected and judged for everything that you did. The question is, 
was what you did based on God receiving glory or just on making yourself look good and living a comfortable, wealthy lifestyle and only giving God the scraps. Because you will be judged for it one day. If you have denied Christ, you go to eternal judgment and hell. This is real. These are the things that we need to understand that are basic before God can take us to greater maturity. So, how are you doing? How are you doing with the basics? And he moves on, verses 4 through 8. But in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. Now, I think the first thing that needs to be said about this passage to avoid any confusion is that it does not say that you can lose your salvation. Okay? Because if that's, what, if, if that's what we think it says, then we also have to conclude that it says that we can never be saved again. Alright? And also, the second thing we need to make clear is that the burning that is talk, being talked about is not hell. Alright? Those are two things that we need to clear up. Let's get some more background on who this letter is actually being written to. It's being written to Jews in the first century. Jews who had left Judaism and converted to Christianity. But because of this, they were now being persecuted by their own people. And now some of them were thinking about turning back and going back to Judaism, back to the old animal sacrifices and the need for priests to help you worship. The author writes these verses to correct this with a warning about turning back to religious rituals that really are useless when it comes to providing salvation. Here's what he's saying in these verses. In a nutshell, he's saying, Jesus is the only way to salvation and he is the only way to become mature. It's that simple. He gives the experience of a Christian uh, partaking of the Holy Spirit, tasting the heavenly gift, tasting the good word of God. These are things that Christians experience. Being enlightened. And then he describes what happens when we, when we fall away. He uses this term, fallen away, and try to find some other way to repent or be forgiven. For the Jews, they were going back to the animal sacrifices, which really were only supposed to be a picture to look toward Jesus Christ. 
the ultimate, final, and perfect sacrifice. Once Jesus came, there was no need for these animal sacrifices anymore, but these people were trying to go back to them to avoid persecution. And so as they do these things over again, what they're really doing is they're crucifying the Son of God again when they do those sacrifices again. And they hold him up to open shame because in reality, they were saying that Jesus' sacrifice was not enough. It was not good enough. And so they go back and they try to do these extra sacrifices. And that's not what produces maturity. It's like if you had a choice If I came up to you and I said, here you go, you can have an iPhone or you can have uh, one of these cell phones from the 80s, you know, like those big cement blocks with antennas, like that's all they were because they were huge and they were heavy and they were not functional at all. But for some reason, you're just more comfortable. The 80s cell phone just feels better to you. So, this, so you choose the 80 cell phone even though it does nothing useful for you? Even though the iPhone does everything the 80s phone does and more with the internet and email and contacts and maps and you know, uh, voicemail and all, all of these things that this iPhone does but you're going to take the old cement block. I think this applies to us today. And that we, we get caught up in so many things that have nothing to do with salvation that do not take us to maturity, but we think they're so important. We get caught up in music style. We get caught up in how much do we have to dress up to go to church when clothing does nothing to give us righteousness. It is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that gives us righteousness. How much money we give. I'm more spiritual than you because I give more money. But those things do nothing to help us repent. But they are safe and they are easy. Just like these Jews were going back to the easy, familiar way. But we cannot go back to just being safe and being comfortable. We need to move forward into the opportunities of maturity that God provides for us. Otherwise, we end up like the field that is ready to be burned. It hasn't produced any fruit because of all the water that was poured into it, all the opportunities that God gave for maturity didn't do anything with it. This is the loss that is talked about in verse 6. They lose all rewards and all blessings that could have been received had they gone on to maturity had they allowed God to carry them to maturity. So let's think about some opportunities that God has put in front of us, in front of you for your benefit. Maybe 
it's a class at Telios to help you understand your faith better. Maybe it's simply being faithful in a daily devotional. Maybe it's joining a ministry here at church. Or maybe it was a missions trip to Camp Bahamas. And now I'm not going to say much about this, but last year we took about 20 teens to Honduras. And this year you saw we took three to Camp Bahamas. Did we, did we miss an opportunity for growth? Did we miss an opportunity to receive a blessing because we wanted to stay safe and comfortable? Have we gotten too comfortable? And are we in danger of becoming like that field that is going to lose all of its blessing? Have I made you uncomfortable yet? Let's allow the text to redeem us, okay? Verses 9 through 12. Well, beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He's saying here that the burning could happen if we continue to neglect the opportunities for maturity that God gives us, we could end up losing our blessings, our rewards that God wants to freely give us. But he says, I know better. I know you. I know your heart. I know your character. I know the work that you have already done. And God will not forget that. God knows about all the support that we have already shown to Camp Bahamas and all the other missionaries and how our church is known for having mature people, known for helping to make the saints complete in their understanding of Christ. And God is not going to strip those blessings away from us. The work that we've done in Honduras, the work of Operation Inasmuch, the work of Awana, Care Kitchen, all the missionaries we support, the, the hundreds of hours of volunteer work that happens every week to make our services happen. The Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, ushers, musicians, deacons, and so many more, our sound guys. God is pleased with our service. But the warning is a reality. And he says, he says, God's not going to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. 
So this warning is a reality, but we still need to serve in love. If we do not serve in love, and we only serve because we have to, or, or I'm afraid that God will take blessings away from me, that doesn't honor him. If we think of God as this big, scary person who is just looking to take stuff away from us when we're bad, that doesn't honor him. Nobody, when they're a kid, nobody wants to go to their friend's house whose dad is always yelling and threatening them, right? We don't like going to that house. There's always one house on the street that nobody wants to go to because the father is scary. And we don't want people to think that our God is just scary. We want people to know that our God is, we obey him and we serve out of love because he is a good God, because he is compassionate, because, because he loves, because he, he provides, because he is always there for us, because he has provided a means of salvation out of love for each one of us. That is why we serve. We serve out of love. That is the work that God remembers. In verse 11, he says, we, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. What happens when we are diligent and we don't get lazy? Our hope is strengthened. We can rest in our salvation because we've become mature and consistent and we're no longer shaken by questions about our salvation because we have served in love and we have been diligent and we've been faithful and that strengthens our hope so that you will not be sluggish. Here's our, here's our uh, runner's analogy again. We can't be sluggish. Can't be lazy. Not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You might say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be mature. That's why you need help. And not only does God carry you along, but there are amazing people in this church who are willing to help you, whose life you can look at and say, I need to start copying what they're doing. Who can you look at? Who do you respect? Who is respectable that you can look at and say, maybe I need to talk to them and figure out how they got to where they're at and use them as an example for yourself and not use TV and music as the major influence on how you live your life. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. So are we ready to be mature? Do we want to move into maturity and receive the blessings of God? It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. Let's pray. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you have never repented. 
You believe in God, you believe there is a God, but you've never repented of your sin. You've just continually done the same things over and over. You can do that this morning. You can repent and turn to God. Maybe you're stuck. You've been living the Christian life and you haven't done anything too bad, but you just haven't done anything, much of anything. Maybe you think you've just messed up too much. You've fallen too far away. Let me encourage you and remind you that the Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly. He died for you. If you are far away, if you are stuck, if you have not repented, He died for you. Let that be a reality in your heart today. You can receive Him. Put your faith toward Him through Jesus Christ, through His sacrifice for your sin, through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Put your faith in those things and you can be saved, to be pressed, to be carried along to maturity. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the challenge of it. Lord, none of us are perfect. And Lord, we, we cry out to you this morning that your spirit would just change us Give us a desire to want to move into maturity, to get out of the rut that we're stuck in and to repent and to let you take us into the amazing opportunities that will bring us blessings and rewards and bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.